0: Hello everybody, Mackenzie here from Before the Downbeat A Musical Podcast. Yes, I know Season 5 has been taking a bit longer to get put together and get out, but I promise you that toward the beginning of 2023, we will have the Season 5 premiere. And boy, do we have a great season lined up for you, and we definitely have some big announcements to make. In the meantime, though, between now and the new year, we are going to be doing something special. As you may know, I am part of another theater company called Cup of Hemlock Theater, where I am the co artistic producer. And on that show, we do reviews of live theater that we see, as well as reviews of stage pro shots, as well as artist interviews and roundtable discussions. So between now and then, I'm going to be releasing. Our episodes we've done on musical pro shots we've covered, including the pro shot of Oklahoma starring Hugh Jackman. We have a pro shot of Showboat that we've done. We've done one of David Hasselhoff's Jekyll and Hyde. So we have a few great episodes that I love to introduce you to this other venue that I do. So if you have interests beyond musicals and want to know more about traditional plays and hear from other local artists, This is a great podcast you can listen to, so check out these episodes, and I hope you'll join us on the Cup of Hemlock feed as well, because you'll find me there as well. Thanks, everybody. Stay tuned for season five. I promise it's coming early 2023. Thanks so much. See you soon, and enjoy listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Cup Reviews brought to you by Cup of Hemlock Theatre. I am your host tonight and marketing manager, Mackenzie. And tonight I'm joined by a fantastic panel. We are talking about another musical, the first ever musical. We did Oklahoma and that was kind of the kickoff for song and dance really kind of got married together. But before that, the the show that kind of really kind of got the ball rolling and paved the way for Oklahoma is none other than the musical Showboat. That's right. We're going all the way back to the old, the olden days of 1920s with show, with showboats and barges and cotton. So we are going back to that time period. We're going to talk about this really kind of interesting and also controversial musical. It is a hotly debated musical about whether or not we should still be talking about it and/or doing it. So tonight we're talking about the 2014 production that was done. Uh, that was done with the San Francisco Opera. And it was directed by none other than Francesca Zambaglio. And many people will know her for her direction of the hit musical, The Little House on the Prairie, the musical. I'm kidding, that musical did not do well. But she's directed some other fantastic things. And she also is a guest professor at Yale. So shout out to you, Francesca. Um, So yes, that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight. Uh, And I'm going to introduce my panel now because I'm so excited to have everybody on board. I have my roommate from first year at York, who I have heard, who has serenaded me many a times with his rendition of Old Man River. It is none other than Ben McKinnon. Hello, Ben.
1: Hey, it's uh, nice to see you again, Mac. I'm overjoyed to be sharing a little bit of time with you, especially for a musical that Mm -hmm. I love, have always loved the music from. In Mm -hmm. fact, I think you may recall sometimes in the shower, I don't know if I was serenading you or if I was just so loud that it penetrated the wall of your (laughs) dormitory and you (laughs) felt it was a serenade for you. Perhaps everybody felt serenaded during those times. But yeah, I've always loved the music from from Showboat. This was a great chance to come take a look at it again and Mm -hmm. and really do a bit of a deeper dive on on, uh, some of the important elements of the production.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well said, Ben. And I mean, I always felt you were serenading me. Just as I serenaded you in the shower when I was there singing all like, like all my greatest lame is hits. So, you know, it, 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 it was a very musical dorm, I have to I'll say. I'll be
1: honest, it was mostly for you, Mac.
0: Oh, I feel very warm and, warmed and touched. Well, Ben, tell me what's in your cup today. What do you got to drink?
1: So, today I brought um a tried and true concoction. In fact, I think it was The second most popular drink of that time, uh, water.
0: (laughs) I would say so, probably. I mean, the whole show takes place on the Mississippi, so.
1: Not anybody's first choice, but definitely a necessary second.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And next for the panel, we have somebody who I've had the privilege of working with uh, on The Music Man. She is a wonderful performer who I've seen play The Witch. She's done Mamma Mia! And now she's currently out in BC, of all places, heading up the education department uh, at the, I'm gonna get this right, Victoria Canadian of, College? Of Canadian College,
2: there we go, that's it. Yes, <laughs> of, performing that's it.
0: yes. <laughs> of Performing Arts, yes. Performing Arts, but you really just got there this week.
2: I did, I did. I um, took the ferry over from the mainland last mm-hmm. Saturday and I'm in Victoria currently. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to be joining you from the west coast. <laughs> you and Ben together. Like we got two west coasties here tonight. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Super <laughs> you're you're enjoying um, beautiful views, I'm sure.
2: Yes, yes, and we're based in Oak Bay, which is just like a beautiful part of, of BC, which is like right by the water, so that's it's pretty incredible. Whereabouts are you right now?
1: Uh, Burnaby, British Columbia. Burnaby. Colombia. Yes, As Oh, yes.
2: I know it well i know it well (laughs) (laughs) love it love it so what's in your cup tonight Mm. well um currently i have um a cup of tea in my cup but i have my pot (laughs) close by (laughs) so that i can refill (laughs) as needed (laughs) um and this new apartment that i just moved to they have very tiny little mugs and so I can only fit, like, there's literally like 125 mils of, of tea that I can pour out at, at once. So wow. I just basically fill my pot and keep, uh, keep pouring. So that's what's in my cup today.
0: <laughs> Love that. Love that. All right. And last but certainly not least, we are welcoming back to our panel today, Ms. Alicia Plummer. Hello, Alicia. Hi. It's nice to be back. It's always a lovely yes. time. Oh, we love having you. This will be your third review. Yes. And plus also and we have your fourth episode which was your wonderful interview you did with Ryan all about um doing Zoom performances during COVID. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. All act. types of great stuff there. But now you're back once again. What's in your cup tonight?
3: I have
0: um I got it in the wine section, but I'm pretty sure it's Sangria. And tonight I am back drinking from my the official cup of hemlock, the cup, cup. And I'm having my nice glass of Earl, or cup of Earl Grey tea with a little bit of honey in it. And on the side, after I finish that, I do have, because I felt like we should have some nice hearty beverage, a nice root beer. Because, you know, that fits the time period. Reminds me of that era, you know, going out uh, uh, having a nice beer at the end of the night. So there you go. But non-alcohol because I have to drive by. <laughs> Um, So there we go. But yes, all right, let us dive into this piece. And we're gonna start off with our classic quintessential first question, which is, which character do we feel is best performed? And Alicia, I'm gonna let you start tonight. Awesome. All Mm -hmm. right,
3: so the person or the character that I felt was best performed was uh, Julie Laverne, who was played Mm. by Patricia Reset. Mm -hmm. And I think, like she wasn't there for a, a long period of time throughout the play, but when she was there i was so connected to her storyline and i honestly i was rooting for her i think out of most of the characters i was just i was so connected to what she was going to do and how she was she ended up being um shunned and kicked out of the play uh, mm-hmm. off the showboat and i just i was just feeling for her and then the the sad arc of her becoming an alcoholic and then he, mm-hmm. nothing really happens after that um and I think I just I love the way Patricia played her character. Um, I like to see the the development and the crash of the character mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and yeah i I just want a story on just her, I think <laughs> i I would love to see what she's up to. Um, yes,
0: absolutely yeah i, I was, mean i I can tell you since I didn't really know this musical fully, like I knew some of the songs go for you know. It, and, I, and I'd and i heard her song and I thought, like, that made me think, oh, she's gonna be like a major part. because so I remembered the whole thing with the blood pact and things like that. And I, was, I remember reading about that, and how that was at the time when this musical came out, that was a big plot point that like they actually went into that topic um, about mixing blood. Uh, and is the whole, but the fact that like she disappears, uh, she totally just like vanishes for two thirds of the show. Not even two three quarters of the show. And she like randomly pops back up and you're know, thinking, oh, they're gonna have a nice reunion. She's gonna come back for the end of the story. And then she's gone again. And I was like, <laughs> Wow, that kind of that's kind of a really sucky character there. That was like I would wanted more of her. Yeah, exactly. Like, like bring her back for more stuff. But yeah, it's also interesting. Since we had done Oklahoma, you could start seeing some of the inklings of the other main female supporting characters that are gonna come up from Rogers and Amberstein later on, like You have Ian Teller, is is it Nettie? No, Elena, you played her. I'm not Nettie Fowler. Um, Uh,
2: Yes, Nettie Fowler. Yeah, it is Nettie
0: Fowler. In Carousel. Yes, exactly. So you have all these great female supporting characters, have these great classic songs, and then they kind of disappear for a bit of the story, and then they come Mm -hmm. back at the finale again. So just thinking about that, I was like, ah, okay, I can see Roger and Hammerstein are making these bridging connections throughout history as, as they we uh, as this musical tapestry got woven um so yeah i have to agree i love that character love it, love it love it ben who did you have as your first pick or best performed of the night
1: well to some degree i agree with alicia due to the fact that patricia reset's portrayal of julie laverne she did a good job Performing, sure, but for me, the best part of her was the voice. Her mm. singing was absolutely spectacular. But if I'm gonna give which character I think was best performed overall, I really have to give it to Joe. And that was played mm. by I believe it was Morris. Morris uh,
0: I can tell you. Uh Joe is played by Albert. Oh, Morris
1: is, I Robinson, recall. I yeah. recall. Mm-hmm. And not only was he perfectly cast well because i think that was you know a part of why it goes over so well joe he's Mm -hmm. perfectly cast one might be be able to argue kind of typecast but not only was he perfectly cast he also brought the goods to the table i think one of the big questions whenever we do a play like this is how are the leads going to tackle some of the most iconic pieces Mm -hmm. right are they going to nail it or are they go- going to leave something to really be desired? I remember feeling the same way, actually, when I saw the most modern uh, production of Jesus Christ Superstar with John Legend as Jesus. Mm. And yes. when he goes for Gethsemane, mm-hmm. I remember before I had seen it, feeling um, almost anxiety on his behalf, going, is this going to replicate Ted Neely's performance? Is it going to be different in the differences? Will they be positive, will be, they be negative? So the same feeling I had waiting for kind of Joe to open these big boisterous pipes and give us Old Man River. And Mm. uh, it goes over really well. And part Mm. of why it goes over well, I think, is we know Joe better in this Mm. performance. In the 1951 movie, for example, Joe is more of um, sort of a a representation, if you will, of Mm -hmm. the black plight. He gives voice to the River Jordan, but he's not a character that we focus on to understand his relationships with others. In this production, we get to see a little bit more of him relating with Queenie, who, you know, his, his woman, and, and relating with other characters on the stage. So we really feel for Joe. We have more of a connection with Joe. And in the pieces when he's performing them, uh, it goes over really well, at least in my opinion.
0: Agreed. Like he just has such a, a physical presence on stage like he just fills that space not like he just fills the whole room with his character and his voice that you i you couldn't help but be drawn to him Like the minute he came out i knew exactly who he was i was like ah got it we got our joe there he is right there and then then you're ready it's just waiting for that big moment where you know the song is coming and it's kind of like there's Waiting—it's not it's almost like in Carousel, you are waiting for like no one is alone, or or, or or sorry, never walk alone. And you're like, okay, it's coming, it's coming, we're getting there, okay. But like, it's just one of these moments where like, the minute he did the song, it was like, oh, okay, we're good, we're good. Like like that right. moment was and, nailed.
1: And you can take pretty much any old Joe and and stick him in there, and if he's got mm-hmm. some pipes, um, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to focus on him so much. You can carry the show with the rest of the characters as long as he delivers that song well and the other songs well he can sing uh, he can move a little bit okay great but um for this joke we really we feel him as a human being you know he's more believable because of how believably he relates with the other characters on stage yes i liked that part agreed
0: agreed 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 alana who
1: was your shout out of the night
2: (laughs) i feel like i'm gonna be like way over in left field here (laughs) um My uh, shout out of the night, actually, was the character of Ellie, who is played by Kirsten Wyatt. Um, And I thought she was a bit of a ringer. Uh, In watching the show, watching the performances, I thought so many of them were like just vocally spectacular. There was Mm -hmm. a lot of people with some incredible pipes. And I know just in terms of the history of the show and it sort of... um, uh sort of coming out of like a light opera tradition and it's Mm -hmm. very sort of a classical sort of um intonation that Mm -hmm. uh is used in the uh, in these performances and um so in uh the way that it was cast with these very very classically trained um legit singers um, some of the vocal performances were really wonderful like like um like Joe's performance like mm-hmm. Julie's performance um and like very connected uh, sort of emotionally uh, however then I found at times that in the actual scenes and in some of the scene work I felt a little less connected with some of the characters mm-hmm. at points and I felt that Ellie um the character of Ellie um and I and I I don't really know her body of work, uh, Kirsten Wyatt's work. Um, I know she's done a lot of sort of more traditional uh, mm-hmm. musical theater type of type mm-hmm. of work. And I guess that maybe speaks just to, I guess, my own like sort of uh, personal preference, sort of aesthetically speaking, I guess. But like yeah. um, it felt overall as a whole, her performance felt a little bit more rooted um, sort of in, in character and, uh, you know, some of her choices felt more real to me than others and um I felt like she did um did a lot with a, a, a more minor type of character so yeah. um uh, that was my um uh that's my shout out I think mm-hmm. for in terms of my favorite favorite performance love
0: it love it love it love it I'm loving this variety we're getting with this <laughs> uh I have to like once again like she watching it the, the thing that reminded me of once again of this is the C that's going to lead us to somebody like an 8 Annie or like a, um, or mm-hmm. um, what's her name? The best friend. Oh, I'm like forgetting her name. The best friend from Carousel. Uh, not Julie oh, Jordan. Yes. Uh, um,
2: Carrie Pipperidge. Uh, Carrie. Yeah. 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 Carrie Pipperidge. These archetypes that keep popping up in yes. like all of the, like Rogers and Hammerstein mm-hmm. uh, musicals and yeah, yeah. Like See them. Well, I guess it's not, um, not Rogers, but, um, but yeah. Hammerstein. <laughs> yes. Um, the, um, yeah, like the seeds of those, yeah. those archetypical characters that sort of yeah. get fleshed out um, mm-hmm. later.
4: Yeah,
0: exactly. And that's what I liked watching, because I liked how this show and the cast did such a great job of showing where history was going to go. Because if because if you're somebody like us who knows musicals and knows history of these shows, then then you kind of can know where where like things are eventually going to grow to and where we're kind of going to grow. Because like from from Ellie, you move to you know, Annie, and then move on to Carrie Pipperidge, and then you get Anita and West Side Story at the end of the 1950s. Like it's just this progression of the best friend, female supporting character that just kind of grows over time. And I, I also loved how Ellie in Act Two had such sincerity when she ran into her friend again. Yeah, early. and that's like, actually that's that's I, what yeah.
2: really sold it for me. Actually, it was like mm-hmm. in the second act when she returned, and there was just mm-hmm. like a sort of. Uh, Authenticity, it felt like she sort of connected with just like it wasn't, it wasn't too much because I mean, Mm -hmm. those kind of character performances too can be really big. And and, um, yeah, it just felt um, Mm -hmm. like she sort of tapped into something very Mm -hmm. real. Mm
4: -hmm. Right. And nicer,
1: nicer to see that softness, especially when you have a show that is overly dramatized Mm -hmm. and sometimes edging almost all the way into caricature. Mm-hmm. So to have a moment or two where we can take a breath and have those more genuine moments, it really elevates the authenticity of of the scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Uh my shout out is someone who uh the minute I saw his face, I recognized him. And it is Bill Irwin who played Captain Andy. And it's funny though, because I grew up with him on CSI where he played the serial killer um Nate Haskell. Kind kind, kind of like a the real big bad of of, of a few seasons that was that escaped from prison. They got to go after him, and he has he has such a great rubber face to him mm-hmm. that he just could he just emotes so well. Like he like he like he and his whole body is just rubber. Like just watching him move around on the stage, like he's such a showman. Like he also reminded me of like I, I would have loved to see the play Harold Hill because I can just mm-hmm. see him weaving his way through River City, just like he weaves his way in on and off the boat and into the crowds to kind of drum them up for the show that night and like his and in fact he does like a whole one man uh show the first act which is just like hysterical like once again just captain Andy killing it when like the show's gonna fall apart and he somehow is magically able to bring it all back together yeah and in that two when he's going out for his daughter and finally standing up to his wife the wonderful the, like once again wonderful like playing that classic kind of shrewish Harping wife all the time, who's always kind of on his back, and he has these great kind of moments where he gets to kind of stand up for himself, and you really just are endeared to this guy who is just a good, hardworking guy trying to earn a living, doing something he doing something he enjoys. He has a daughter, he has a wife, and he's and he also is acting as the supporter for all these other performers on the boat. Like he is very supportive of everybody. It doesn't matter your race, your gender. He's just going to support you. Like I, I, like, like when the men come for um. Um, uh, 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 Julie Laverne, and he's very kind of protective and kind of stands up for the moment. It's like, oh, like he's a good, like he he literally is the captain of the show, kind of keeping everybody together as best he can. It's it's wonderful. So yes, Bill Irwin, who went from evil serial killer in my mind to happy-go-lucky boat captain. So love that. All right. Let's head into now. What was our favorite production or design element? Of this mammoth show, Alena, uh, I'll let you start this one.
2: Okay. Um, for me, it was the um, the theater scenes on the boat, and mm. um, I um, I love how I mean, I, I love a, 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 a um mm. how it gave such a sense of a place. You knew exactly mm. where you were. Um, it just it it really worked for me. So mm-hmm. so the, all those uh, theater scenes on the boat were that was your yes. favorite design element.
0: Agree, that boat was just spectacular. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you can't do showboat without the boat. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure people have tried to revive without the boat or like done some rickety-rackety, projection-y shadow design somewhere yeah. to like save the money. And it's like, it just, it's just not the same. Part of what Mitch told the show back in the day was there literally was a giant showboat that rolled out on stage. Like that was the big deal of this piece. And so the fact that we got, you got to see A real big set was something we don't see anymore uh, on stage. It was just wonderful, absolutely wonderful uh, to watch. I have to agree that boat set was just fantastic, the way they utilized that so many ways, different levels. It was great. Ben, how about you? What was your favorite production or design element?
1: Favorite production or design element of the production? Hopefully there's space actually to talk about, because for me, uh, I didn't want to focus as much on the technical production, and design Mm -hmm. aspects as uh, what stood out for me was the directing from both a scene layout perspective Mm -hmm. in conjunction with the choreography. That's what Mm -hmm. I like. And what I'm talking about is framing the action of the scene, okay? I think they did a really good job throughout the musical to frame the action well. Uh, An example of this is when we have Angela Renee Simpson, who's playing Mm -hmm. Queenie, Mm -hmm. right and she has her solos and she can dance don't get me wrong she can dance but Mm -hmm. some of those uh folks are hardened trained dancers so we're handing them a little bit of the bigger movements the bigger choreography and in a way we're framing queenie and she's reflecting and mirroring the choreography in a smaller way while still remaining the most important person in the scene so i like to see you know stuff like that we're elevating Queenie's choreography by relying on the team's dance training, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Other no, ways Other ways that we see uh, examples of framing the action, Joe Solo, of course, mm-hmm. where we have him kind of um, doused in light, delivering those long lines to the end. Mm-hmm. Or for example, the montage shot at the end, you know, that kind of reconciliation between mm-hmm. Gay and Noli. And we catch that sort of still shot, which is just such a good parting gift. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that was a, a common overarching thread uh, that I wanted to give a bit of a shout out to.
0: Yes, absolutely, yeah. That, yeah. Once again, with a big show like this in a big cast, it can get very easy to get overwhelmed with those elements and kind of lose lose the picture work that, that 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 theater does so well with the proscenium arch where you can really can create these beautiful moments of, or shots of time that really are kind of that that can get lost with the with the big cast size like that so, so i inter- totally agree
2: with you I'm sorry oh, no, um, no 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 <laughs> i was just gonna say i mean it's really interesting because i mean this is a, a, um a conversation i'm interested in having because um sometimes I find especially with like old like sort of classic musicals there is that structure of um like where you have a singing chorus you have a dancing chorus Mm -hmm. you have your leads and it's very sort of um like almost segregated in a way Mm -hmm. where like if you're there as a singer you're basically kind of like standing in a picture and you're like you know parking and barking Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. if you're as a dance if you're a dancer you know you're probably doing something like Ridiculous, and you know, aren't actually singing. You're mouthing the words while people mm-hmm. sort of, you know, um, you know, carry the load for you. Um, and then, like, you know, everything sort of happens around the leads. And mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was very interesting this production because this was 2013 that this happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it felt like a very sort of um, <laughs> what's the word old-fashioned sort yeah. of way of of staging. Mm-hmm. Um, um, a musical uh, mm-hmm. for for 2013 standards because mm-hmm. um, because it really sort of adhered to that um, like you said like, mm-hmm. the, like the that framing of mm-hmm. um, um, you know here's Queenie like when she I forget the name of the song and she's on the box and she's doing the the choreography and there's all the dancers mm-hmm. around her doing mm-hmm. the 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 choreo
0: can't help loving that man that? of mine uh,
2: was it was that's that right. was that, the one?
0: Was that the, one? the one I think that's the oh, one I think that's the one
2: okay um, but But yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting because I mean, I I, it it lends for for Mm -hmm. um, certain advantages in the sense that you can have Mm -hmm. like a spectacular singer like Queenie out there, Mm -hmm. you know, who has to do nothing but like, again, like focus on, you know, just giving Mm -hmm. voice to to the piece. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I mean, there is something too sometimes that I find a bit to the Stilted about like mm-hmm. this is the structure and this is mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. the structure is and and mm-hmm. and how it plays out.
0: Yeah, no, I t- I totally get that. There, were, like, we're gonna get to that in my side, other yeah. side of, of the spectrum. But you're, you're but course. you're on to something there with yeah. that. You are very much on my mind track there. So we're gonna put okay. a pin in that. We're gonna come back. Yeah, absolutely, to that, that is something that I am very interested to pick up on. But first, Alicia, give me what was your favorite production design element? Um, okay, I have two
3: kind okay. of on the same slope of how much I love both of these elements. I really yeah. liked the orchestra at the very beginning.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
3: I, I I haven't heard of Showboat before until now. I know I I don't know if I'm the only one, but I just I really liked the easing into everything with the music and the mm-hmm. orchestra, and I I was immediately intrigued. And honestly, mm-hmm. it might also be because I haven't. Been in to a theater in a very long time and heard an <laughs> orchestra, but I was immediately like, "I'm ready to watch a show."
4: Mm-hmm.
3: um second thing that I really loved uh, was, oh wait, no, I'm gonna continue talking about the orchestra for a couple seconds because I like that they introduced the show with the orchestra in the first act and mm-hmm. then they did it again in the second act. Okay, mm-hmm. second thing, the costumes. I really enjoyed mm. the costumes in the show. I love the period pieces, the Victorian mm-hmm. dresses, uh, and then everything also moved into the 1920s with the mm-hmm. um, uh, World's period. Fair. Yeah, the World's yes. Fair, Chicago era. Yeah, exactly. I like. I loved to see the the costume elements change and develop, and I felt like I was moving along with them in time, or I guess back in time, and then moving mm-hmm. forward. It was a really, really. Uh, cool thing to watch, and the costumes kept me engaged, combined with the music as well. So those mm-hmm. are my things that I really enjoyed.
0: Well, I mean, I'm going to take kind of everybody's and kind of melt them together into what my favorite element is, which is I can only describe it as the epicness of this production. There, like that is such a lost thing we have in theater these days because of the budgets and the and the finance it would take to fund something like this. Um, the fact that we don't get these shows anymore—these kind of really big shows that that have a that Alicia that, um, should point out have a big orchestra that are literally like massive, like 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 the the wall of sound that gets produced from them. Like you can just look into the pit. Normally in a pit, it's like ten people and like half of them are on keyboard. Um, it's a thing. Uh, but Like the fact that like you you get that old Broadway sound, that rich sound that pops up uh and then you have the costumes like just the fact that you have a cast of this size all dressed to the nines and in character like you can track people throughout the show and and their costumes age and grow with them like like joe's costume is totally different just like he is by the end because he's gone through decades of time like he is now an older man yet there's still a timeless quality to his outfit like there's that like the way they dress him just had that timeless feel to where it didn't feel like it was one particular time period while like other people like Queenie like she changed her outfits as the decades went on uh like same thing with like Captain Indy going from his captain gear to getting into his regular clothes to go visit his daughter in Chicago like uh, just the costume work and just the sets as Elena said like the fact that we do get a boat on stage it it reminded me of when Titanic the musical was on Broadway back in the 90s and they actually also had a ship monsters that they sank every night like there's just something about that Epicness and just the grandness of this theatrical experience that you just we don't get anymore really. Like I can't think of the last time I went to a show and felt the, felt epic, like I like felt felt the true epicness of it. Like that's something that's just missing these days because unfortunately we got to pay the bills of the theater and to do that we got to kind of reduce the orchestra size, reduce the cast size. We got to do things a little bit smaller. And so, yeah, it was just nice to see some big old theater there again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. well, why don't we dive into our weakest production or design element? And I'll kick this one off because I'm going to piggyback off something something Alana said about the way and Ben kind of also alluded to this too, where it's the way the direction was done sometimes, particularly with the ensemble where like, as Elena said, like you could tell there were certain people who were like, these are the, this is the opera company. They are gonna be your singers. You have the dancers who are gonna dance and you're gonna have the principals who are gonna be principals. And, and, and then as Ben said, sometimes they drifted a lot into caricature versus character. And that was my biggest thing, was there was quite a few characters like Pete, the villainous bad guy of act one, who was like right out of like a Scooby-Doo, like heavy on the twang southern, evil man with a mustache mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that was literally his character in a nutshell. that was like pete actually is one of the is one of the characters you actually can really do something with because he is a real life villain that we all know exists in the world so like the fact that you made him into a character versus actually in 2013 actually allowing this character to exist and be his true villainous self without the over-the-top comedicness that character was done with like there's like that type of thing there like yeah i even say sometimes queenie almost drifted into a little bit of caricature uh with with, with, her, with her with her performances sometimes and i was like no nope, stay stay you're, you're on the right track there you have the moments yeah, like completely... ellie was the, one, was the one that was kind of closest to walking that line of caricature in act one when she's the performer and then in act two she has that flip and now she's on the neutral, serious track of her story. Yes, Ben, go. You're gonna, yeah, you're I gonna can, chime I in. I
1: completely agree with you. That's all mm-hmm. I was going to say, especially with regard to Pete. I mean, yes. his kind of vibrating, vibrating portrayal, it did. It edged over kind of dramatic and into mm-hmm. caricature for me. Mm-hmm. And that was, like you said, kind of an overarching challenge mm-hmm. and it's tough to, differentiate whether that is on the directing or is it on the acting because Mm -hmm. there were some times where there was a real genuine authenticity that was found but Mm -hmm. there were other times where people come out and sometimes it was when they had a funny line like this is my line now everybody laughs you know (laughs) or or other times when it's their moment and they're sort of supposed to be taking the spotlight because Mm -hmm. that's the action of the scene but Mm -hmm. they go so far when everybody's working already to give them the attention so mm-hmm. like less work could be done and more um sort of accuracy i think yeah has been put in in mm-hmm. in those instances mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely this was a very big show with a big cast and some big acting choices that were done on stage. Yeah, Alicia.
2: I 100% agree with both of you. Yeah. Do you wonder? OK, well, uh, uh, sorry, uh, go ahead. I wasn't meaning to jump in. I just, okay. just affirming. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> OK, Alicia, give it to me. What, 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 what was your weakest
3: element? Um. Honestly, for me, I, I found it hard to find a weak element. As I was watching it, I was like, I, I'm trying to pinpoint something. But mm-hmm. I I feel like they did their work. They did what they needed to do um but i'm looking into my notes here and i wrote down um this is so nitpicky i don't even know if it counts anymore but sometimes i felt like they held their poses too long after the song was over and i was like okay you can get off stage now like why are you still standing there and that's what annoyed me slightly and i don't even know why like i think just because we get it the shows it it's the music is amazing choreography is on point you can move to the next scene. And I think that little thing just started to bother me at one point.
0: I hear you. This is a long show. Like, it's (laughs) three hours. Like, we could chop a good 10, 20 minutes out of this sucker, by Just moving along after the end of each song. Like, just move it along. We don't have have a 20-minute clap break every time somebody finishes. Like, Omen River? Sure. That one absolutely deserves the big apposite god. But like other ones where it's like, okay, it was good production number. Move it along. Move it along. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Because I feel like when they're
3: there for a little too long, it it makes me... It, it feels like a concert all of a sudden instead of a mm-hmm. musical.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: I, at, at the same time, I'm realizing like, okay, maybe this is just the style of the sure. show and that's why they're holding it. Um, as was mentioned in the notes that this is considered one of the first musicals. So that's just kind of... How it is, but mm-hmm. at the same time, the, since we watched the, uh, a production that was done fairly recently, I would say they could cut like five minutes off if they just kind of yeah. went to the next scene.
1: <laughs> that was agreed. And, and, and it is kind of the actor's choice too, because mm-hmm. it's an etiquette thing, right? In musical theater, when a when a song or piece or whatever is performed so well that the audience goes nuts, there's a politeness to standing out there and uh, accepting the thank you graciously Mm -hmm. and nowadays it's transcended even that etiquette to become um, an appreciation for what are or what is now an ode to history Mm -hmm. so it has not just the etiquette of accepting and appreciating graciously Mm -hmm. the people who want to say thank you for the performance it's also a way that we sort of elevate our thinking beyond the self-conscious and remember what it's about. It's about the history. It's about the message of this piece and that little bit at the end it's so we can all kind of remember that Mm
4: -hmm.
1: at the same time, it is important. Like you said, it isn't a concert. It is a musical and it is almost a three hour production. So (laughs) any time where we can sort of uh, save a little bit of time while not taking away from Uh, saying thank you. It's a good thing in my book. Mm
0: -hmm. I think one of my favorite backstage stories I ever heard about audiences and applause was from Cheetah Rivera, who, it's funny, Lynn and I are actually talking about her prior to recording, um, but she originated the role of Anita in West Side Story. And they did their watch, and then they they did previews out in Washington before making it to Broadway. And Cheetah Rivera reminisced once about how on the first night they performed America, the audience at the end of the song, clap, 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 clap. The actresses all kind of whiz their way off stage. And then they keep hearing the clapping and they and they look out through the back of the curtain and sure the audience is standing up and they're all kind of like, do we go back out there? Do we like go back out and do something else for them? And the stadium manager just came and said, nope, they're going to settle down again. Just keep, we're going to keep the show moving. It's a long show. <laughs> so it's one of those things of like knowing the balance. Like there are times watching like, like a performer where they just kind of know when to kind of give the audience their moment to appreciate and then kind of get back into the story because you never want to detract too long from the story because you're right then it starts to become like a concert and it's like all right here we go another song like (laughs) pop it out like it it kind of loses some of that authenticity of what of of you don't know when uh, uh, an applause is genuine and when it's just kind of like we're at the end of the song we're all gonna Up until somebody else stops clapping or I mean overall still clapping okay we're gonna keep going here <laughs> yes yes I agree with that <laughs> it's one of those things Alana
2: what was your weakest element well it's sort of a combination of what everybody has said I also found, found the length to be a bit of a, a thing and that the um uh, the pacing really uh, felt like it dragged for me mm-hmm. and <laughs> I think too, part of it, again, is like structural, like just with like, you know, the, like the age of this particular piece. Um, It felt like in every single production number, like chop a couple of verses and a chorus out of those, just like, let's tighten it up a little bit. Like we kind of get the point, you know? Um, And I'm not quite certain what some of it, like it wasn't necessarily adding new uh information or new story elements or driving the plot forward or driving Mm -hmm. character forward quite often it felt like it was just because this is a really awesome fun song and we're gonna (laughs) keep on singing it or it's because it's a really you know it's a song that that's full of history and full of um uh, um, emotion and is connected to something bigger Mm -hmm. and so we're gonna you know we're gonna give it its due um, but it felt like everything was getting its due in in this a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. and so because of that it, it it sort of I think took away from the specialness of of uh, certain moments because it felt like every single moment was trying to be like a moment and mm-hmm. so um yeah so like the, the pacing and and some of that sort of structural stuff I, I thought was um, it I could have been, perhaps uh, revisited in a different way or in a more contemporary way.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, and then doubling back on the conversation that you were having earlier about like, just in terms of um, the, like the character work and, and uh, the the caricature and uh, the sort of, uh, I don't know. I, I I agree too. It was like, whether it was like a directing thing or an acting thing, um, the sort of inconsistency of mm-hmm. performances that, uh, were there. Um, because yeah, like some of it really did delve into a lot of shrieking, um, um, <laughs> at times, um, uh, uh, as a choice. Um, but, um, and, th- but then it, would, you know, then there's a the flip where it was like really grounded in the authentic. And so it was, uh, yeah, sort of, uh, smoothing out, uh, mm-hmm. some of those, those edges, um, mm-hmm uh between the different styles. But yeah, yeah that that uh those two things were, were were things that stuck out to me as sort of being the weakest elements mm-hmm.
4: of,
2: of the piece. I hear you.
0: I mm-hmm. hear you. No, that was a perfect summation of all our points perfectly. Alana <laughs> you're such an educator. You just know how to summate your perfect ah! summation of all our <laughs> uh, of, of all of all of all our different talking points. It's great. Mm-hmm. All right. Alicia, we're we're gonna let you kick off the next question which is Do you think this production is worth the watch now that you've seen it? Would you recommend it to other people?
3: Oh, okay. So when I first watched this, um, (laughs) the first time I watched it, I said to myself, like, "Mm -hmm, I don't know, it was like a heavy maybe Mm -hmm. sort of leading towards no. Mm -hmm. But I think that was just my personal preference of what I like to enjoy watching. And I kind of I started to analyze it a bit and I realized, this production, I think, is worth the watch in terms of if no one has ever heard of Showboat before and they want to look into other musical theaters, maybe the musical theater that might have started or the, yeah, the musical, sorry, mm-hmm. that, that started everything, potentially, if mm-hmm. you want to look into that and the historical moments in it as well, the uh, racial issues, like it, it's it's an important I think it is an important piece of work.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know if I'd watch it again though. Mm. Um but I, I, honestly I think it's just my personal preference. Mm-hmm. I think so uh I I know I'm giving you a, a
0: heavy maybe right now and I I want to I want to give you That's a yes Okay. Or no. <laughs> no, maybes are good. Like like, like maybes are perfectly waiting for some of these shows where it's like you got to be in the right mood to watch it and it's got to be the right time. It's like watching uh well, one of the big epic movies, Godfather, Titanic, any of those kind of big, long epics where it's like, if you're going to watch it, strap in. It's, 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 exactly. it's, it's, it's definitely not a Marvel movie where you can get in and get out in a nice hour, <laughs> hour and a half.
3: Yes. And I think um, for me too, I found that the voices, the singing, mm-hmm. it was pretty close to opera, right? Like, mm-hmm. was I, okay, great. I'm, I'm yeah. hoping I'm using the right terminology here. Yeah. Um, and I found it, it a little, operatic. it was very operatic and I found mm-hmm. it a little hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put the captions on because we were watching this through a screen, but <laughs> um, which helped me. Mm-hmm. So yes, but to answer your question, straightforward. Yes, I do think this production is worth watching because I think it's a, a good production to analyze mm-hmm. and think about what, are, what what's important. What are you taking away from this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, we're, and we might talk about this a little bit later, but like, how can this production potentially be put on now? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna say yes. I think yes, it's a great okay. production to watch and it is worth watching.
0: Very good.
1: <laughs> ben? I give it an absolute yes. And I'll tell you why. It's because it, for me, was a gateway back. You know, this is music that is in me, Because not only I loved Old Man River and I sang it when I was a kid, but it's so iconic that we hear it sometimes in other things. You'll be watching TV, you'll get a commercial and sometimes the music permeates. So Mm -hmm. it's, it was interesting for me to have something that brought me back. I found myself watching this show and then I watched the 1951 version. And then I cracked a book and now I'm reading Old Man River and singing with my friend who plays piano. And (laughs) if it weren't for somebody saying, okay, let's revive this with Mm -hmm. a new light, then maybe it's something that I wouldn't have taken another look at again, right? We just leave things in the past. Mm -hmm. Same, uh, I know I referenced this before for Jesus Christ Superstar, right? You see the, the two versions and you say, okay, great well now a more modern approach with John Legend in it, and they actually nailed it. So for people who, who love the music and wanna be reminded about what type of feelings and emotions it you know, invigorated in them before, it's a great way to remember. I definitely wouldn't watch it every day of the week because I don't have three hours to you know, donate to something like that, but uh, you know, I, would, I would absolutely recommend it, that's for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Alana, as an educator and like head of a <laughs> education department, would this end up on a syllabus somewhere? Would you want to introduce it to your fellow Oof. young musical theater children? Loaded.
2: Oh my goodness me. I mean, I think there's a lot of value in obviously um, you know, examining uh, the the classics really. Mm-hmm. I mean um, of of the musical theater canon and seeing mm-hmm. you know uh, what contemporary musical theater is built on mm-hmm. um and and so yeah i think it's you know valuable and worthwhile to to revisit um to revisit these sorts of these sorts of shows it's like you know like when you go to like stratford and they they keep dragging sh- shakespeare out you know but <laughs> uh, you know somebody's got a new interpretation mm-hmm. and or some, something um something new to say within that text um and yeah so like these sorts of shows like the like like showboat and like um uh oklahoma and carousel mm-hmm. and some of the older works are are sort of um I, I i should qualify it i by by classic i mean like from a very like um, golden age golden, golden age but very like white north american mm-hmm. um uh 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 point of view yes um so so yeah like worth worth uh exploring and analyzing for sure and like looking at thematically mm-hmm. um d- definitely um I, I think but same thing like to, to watch this um you know to dedicate three hours uh to watching it <laughs> you know <laughs> maybe once <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i hear you Well,
0: I mean, for me, the fact I also do a musical theater podcast on the side, Mm -hmm. um, like just the history of musicals is something where like behind me in my closet there, I have a whole two bookshelves full of books and there's all types of history books on musical theater. And the fact this is part of musical theater history. And I mean, we unfortunately, because of when this came out, we don't have clips from the OG production. I mean, we have the films from the 1936 and the 1951. And we and we got some news clips from the How Prince version that was done in the 90s that kind of fizzled out when I went to Broadway with Live Ant. Um, shout out to you, Live Ant, Canadian producing company. <clears throat> um, but like, this is a great kind of ode to the show, like, like, as we talked about, it's it's big, old, like old classic piece of showboat. Like, I, I, we definitely can go. We're going to get into this later on, but how to reinterpret the show. But like, if you're wanting to show somebody like close to what showboat probably what it looks like back in the 1930s when that old boat trugged across the stage way back when, like, this is probably a pretty close adaptation of what you're going to get. So I think for a historical purpose, it's a great kind of watch because, you know, we got like, like, in order to move forward in our history, we can't, we have to look at the roots and kind of grow from there to see where we've been to know kind of where we can go. It's one of those things of kind of building from the past onward, kind of building on the blocks versus knocking out the old blocks and kind of trying to reinvent the wheel when we already have a great kind of foundation we now can build. Like, I'm sure if I sat down, I could draw a line from showboat all the way up to Hamilton. I'm sure there is some. Way I could weave all them together somehow, some way in the tapestry. It's just it's there. We we I just have to sit down and actually do it. But it's that thing of to do, to understand where Hamilton, like how we got to Hamilton, you got to go back and look at Showboat. And I was I'm thankful that when I was at New York doing my musical theater history class, uh, our professor Marley showed to you uh She actually started the whole class uh, with our first musical being Showboat. Like she was very much like. We're starting here, then we're going to jump to Oklahoma, then we kind of went through the decades after that. But it was that thing of we're going to start at this spot and we're going to kind of grow out from here. So I think this is a great kind of time capsule piece that kind of captures that. Classic quality that is showboat, as it were. Um, Yes. Okay. so now we're going to kind of dive a little bit deeper into this piece and kind of get in some more juicy topics. Uh, less about the production, more about the show itself. <clears throat> so, first off, we have this show has historical significance being widely considered the first musical. That being said, the, uh, this is also, uh, is this a piece we can still perform today? How do we go about tackling the racial issues associated with this piece?
2: Uh, Elena,
0: I'll let you start this one.
2: Um. Okay. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> sure. Yeah. No problem. So <laughs> or just the first part of the question, and
0: sure. then like, I can move um, on. <laughs> yes. So, is this a piece we 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 can still perform right. today? Like, like we uh-huh. this production was done in 2013. Mm-hmm. We're now into a new decade of time. A lot of things happened over the over the past decades. Right. The show has been done. Yeah. Can we still do it today? How will we go about addressing some of the racial issues sure. that are associated with this? Mm-hmm. There, there is, there is an underbelly to this piece for sure that we'd have to yeah. talk
2: about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think the challenge with a piece like this, without sort of being a museum piece, mm-hmm. is that it needs to have a strong point of view, mm-hmm. and I think the director needs to come in with a strong point of view, mm-hmm. um, and particularly. I mean this is an interesting case too right because this is a musical written by white men um mm-hmm. trying to capture the experience of of um white people but also black people um of the time as well of which mm-hmm. um they have I'm, I'm I I I mean I shouldn't speak for them obviously but like I mean Considering that time period, like how much context do they have for that writing? So, yes. it's it's sort of based on an idea of, mm-hmm. um, you know, of, of how they they interpret um, a particular experience. Now that being mm-hmm. said, like I mean, like a lot of that stuff, like you know, music, you know, was reclaimed and 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 taken and um, uh, reinterpreted by mm-hmm. um, by black singers. Mm-hmm. Um, in performance and became have become standards since then but um um yeah like for for a contemporary performance i i, I do think it, it deserves some like very real re-examination in terms mm-hmm. of of just the way characters are portrayed like i'm thinking of um like the character julie really pops out to me mm-hmm. um because it's such a trope like the sort of tragic mulatta Trope this the 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 woman who's you know um, trying to pass and um, does so but then uh, you know uh, gets uh, discovered and mm-hmm. uncovered and then her life sort of you know unravels into tragedy mm-hmm. um, and like um, I think you have to be careful sort of how you deal with those sorts of tropes. Um, because they can, um, you just, it it gets a little bit, uh, iffy Mm -hmm. at at times. And same, like, same thing with, with Joe, you know, like, that's another character, like, where the, where, where sometimes these characters feel sort of symbolic of something as opposed to being actual human beings, characters with interior lives, um, and wants and desires and needs, and, you know, instead are, um, you know, sort of... You know, held up as 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 you know, representing an idea of something or um, um, a feeling about something. Um, So, so yeah, I think with like a a strong uh, perspective and a strong sense of direction, you can sort of incorporate some of those things uh, into a piece Mm -hmm. like that. And uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to 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 see uh, if. That has been done or can be done. We were talking a little bit before before this about how, like, um, the, my first experience with Showboat was that original live event, um, and it toured through Vancouver, and I went and saw the show in the '90s, and you know saw the big thing, and um, uh, you know, like, that was actually that was a very markedly different take on 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 this particular production, but. Um, um, you know, I mean, they tried something um, mm. and so I, I appreciate that. But now I'm just rambling. Anyways, um, yes, I think a strong point of view, but mm. I, I, I think you have to be sort of, I, I tread, tread cautiously, I guess, mm-hmm. would be my, the short answer yes. <laughs> to my rambling. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes.
0: Alicia, I see you nodding there. So I'll let you jump in here.
3: okay cool yeah uh, tread cautiously is a great way to like (laughs) transition um do i think the show can be put on today and how would that how would it change how would it adapt okay i uh, it's hard it's really hard to have a a, like a yes or no but Mm -hmm. honestly my heart is is saying no i don't think i would want to see this show like adapted in a way for 2021 or 21st century and beyond i think i like where it is now and i don't mind going uh like watching if i if i could somehow like time capsule back into the uh early 1900s to see it as it was
4: mm-hmm.
3: i would love to do something like that and just see it how life was then and mm-hmm compare and contrast how life is now and specific things haven't really changed in terms of, um, or haven't haven't changed in a huge, significant way, you think, in terms of racial issues. And I think that's really interesting to examine. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a a history book. I feel like this play is like a history book, picking Mm -hmm. it up, looking into it, examining it, and seeing what steps have we made and what steps do we still need to make. Um, And yeah, I don't know if I would want to see like a a different interpretation. Uh, someone has brought up Shakespeare earlier and how that has been adapted in different ways, and I start to think like, okay, Shakespeare has been adapted. Why can't this be adapted? And I, I just I don't know if I would want to sit down and watch another show about like black people are oppressed and they're one day they're not going to be oppressed. Smiley face. Like that's kind of what. I think the message would be mm-hmm. um I start to think I can kind of see a uh, showboat being set in the 90s and for some reason I just imagine like okay I feel like 1990 something like a version of that would be really good to watch mm-hmm. I don't know why I feel like the 90s had so many things going on
4: of course mm-hmm.
3: I see, but like I've watched films and stuff um and I think I would see that interpretation, like a 1990s interpretation. Mm-hmm. Anything other than that, I would not personally. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if other, other people, not just people of color, but just other people in general, would be interested mm-hmm. to see a show like this. Like mm-hmm. I, it, it's definitely, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question mm-hmm. to, um, like talk about. But my answer is, I, it's honestly,
0: like leave it where it is, and mm-hmm. people can like check it out if they want to. Yeah. Agreed. Then I see you smirking there, so I'm really interested to hear what you have to say now.
1: <laughs> well, I think uh, my response may be in um, perhaps small contrast with Alana mm-hmm. um, and Alicia. And I'll start by addressing the original question, which I think is this show has historical significance and it's widely considered the first musical. So that being said, is this still something that we can perform today? and how would I go about tackling the racial issues? And uh, the tertiary question was uh, about whether or not it would deserve adaptation if we did it today. So first of all, the tertiary question of whether, if we did do it today, uh, would it deserve adaptation? So first things first, like uh, Alana mentioned, uh, who developed it? Okay, Hammerstein and Kern. When? 1927. Where was it premiered? In New York. So we have to think about what was going on in New York at that time. This was a time of enormous immigration. I mean, everywhere, everyone from everywhere was entering. Jewish people, Mexicans, Black people, Italians, you name it, a melting pot. This was where musical theater was derived. So gay people, Black people, it didn't matter. If you had chops, you could be a part of the group, so to speak. So in that, I'm addressing that Hammerstein and Kern Are two people who are so immersed in progressive culture for their time that I would argue that who better to be able to share their personal experience with what was going on? Mm -hmm. So I would almost argue that Hammerstein and Kern were two of the perfect people who were the most immersed in progressive culture for their time, right? Um, In terms of tackling the racial issues, I wouldn't tackle them. I think it's in the writing, it's already done. The only work that we have to do is to cast it well and to make sure that it's performed well. We focus on the production because the writing already carries us in terms of the racial issues. In fact, you know, I'm mixed, right? So I'm looking at this piece and I find myself crying, thinking about how privileged I am. And sure, I've encountered racism before, but like I can go to school, I have a job, You know, I make money, I have friends, people don't pick on me every single day. I'm not oppressed in any way. And this, I don't think to answer now, Alicia's um, development in the conversation, I don't think it should be adapted. I think it's for us to have a view into history, to look at now and feel how lucky we are. And I think it's the best time when we look at things like uh, the BLM movement, for example, people are opening up now to this, type of material they're beginning to maybe not understand but at least develop an appetite for understanding so i wouldn't develop it to adapt it to be uh modern i would promote it as a view into where we came from so i i i I, that's really all i can say about that
2: (laughs) i think you have to be critical of it too in the sense that i mean like even just i mean even the assumption that like You know it's widely considered the first musical but like according to who you know and like whose standards are we judging this on like it's the first um uh musical that what was on broadway or sort of had a certain level of success and i mean when you think about it in those terms like there's a there's a lot of um uh people that that automatically excludes from the conversation um when considering whether something's like legitimate and whether something can legitimately be called the first um you know musical so i mean even like that like i think that has to be questioned uh questioned as well mm-hmm. um and uh, i mean yeah like i i i take the point yeah definitely about um you know sort of like looking at it and and viewing it but yeah, I don't know, there's, I think that it's also, um, uh, you, to look at it, you, you need to use a critical eye um, on the past, but also the present and all the stuff that went into structuring um, a, a show like that. And how, like the people who were, were given power to be able to um, write something that could be seen by millions of people in the first place to write something that would have the posterity um, to exist and live on you know 60 70 80 years down the line and be sort of um, gifted the um the 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 title of being the the, the first piece of musical theater mm-hmm. ever um, and uh yeah i i i think that there are are that it automatically excludes, um, uh, you know, whole swaths of of people in the in the first place.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I mean,
0: for my two cents, as uh, um, uh, in the room, <laughs> not that I have much more to add. Um, uh, so, from a, from from the historical standpoint, I definitely think this piece should be studied, like always. A, a, like if you're going to do a musical, the- like Western civilization musical theater kind of trope through the catalog, I definitely think you definitely want to start with Showboat. Um, as for should we perform it today, I do think there is a, I do think there is a place for the show today. I mean, there are a lot of great timely topics, whether it's appropriation, like like the fact that the whole main plot focuses around this white uh, woman who appropriates this song uh, from a black woman and gets famous off it and travels the world and starts a whole new career. Like there's something in that, that still has a very modern feel to, and also same thing with like prejudice. I mean, I, I mean, having gone, seen what happened in 2020, it's, it's sad and scary to think just how far and then like kind of how not so far we've come where people like Pete still hold sway in the world. It can it can, it can really kind of turn the tide on someone who is really doing their own thing and is doing nothing to deserve the treatment that she gets. Uh um Ms. Laverne. So I think I do think there is a way, a place for it today, because the themes are so time sadly timeless. Um but I think what needs to be done is this needs to be an honest portrayal of the past. It's cu- versus what we got, where Pete was the cartoony Southern guy, like he, like Pete is someone who we could see in the world today. I mean, heck, two weeks ago we saw what happened in the U.S. Capitol. Um, like these people are out there in the world. They're 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 not this bygone era of a person. Sadly, um, they should be, but they're not. Uh, but like own that, like own that part of the story like i would love to see a production that strips away the veneer of razzle dazzle broadway and let's get like let's lean into the darkness that the story has the human struggle that is really there for all the characters whether it's um magnolia and her husband and what they go through because I'm sure there are many couples out there who are struggling financially because one part of the partnership is philandering and floundering. Um, and, then, and then the other person is left with a child and it's like, what do I do? Or you have people like um, Ms. Laverne who are basically chased away for for no good reason at all besides racial prejudice. Like there is timely topics in this piece that I think if we just stripped away some of the veneer of Broadway, Glitz uh, that the show hasn't just got it back down to the humanity of what the story is. I do think there is something really powerful that could be said. And the fact that we do it in this time period of 1800s into the 1900s and show that mirror up to society and go, you think we've progressed so far, and we are all so much further than we think we are, but really, are we? And ask that really deep question that we all kind of get asked because even like this week with the inauguration, we're all kind of whooping and cheering that oh, yes, we've turned the page, we're moving forward. But it's like, are we really like, have we really gone too far when really two weeks ago we had the storming of uh, of um, the U.S. Capitol? Like, are we really moving this much further ahead in time period? I don't know. Um, then I think that's something this piece can really highlight. It's one of these great pieces, kind of like To Kill a Mockingbird, another really interesting piece of literature, and also a play that, once again, holds the mirror up to society and kind of goes, yeah, we're set in this time period, but why is this so resonating with us today? What is it about this, what about these particular stories that have such a timeless quality about it? What is that saying about us as a um, human race, uh, just a general human race that we still have to face these themes and these topics? So, I do, yeah.
2: Um, Alicia picked up on something really like interesting or just, sorry, I was making a connection Mm -hmm. between something that you just said and what Alicia Mm -hmm. was saying, um, about, um, I guess, you know, like in, in having these sort of big conversations that, Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, are taking place, um, and have been taking place for a long time, but just to varying degrees, depending on, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. how, what your identity is really, Mm um, uh, there, is this idea often in in some of these sort of more like older plays where like like you were saying alicia about like oh it's another piece where you know all the black people are oppressed and Mm -hmm. and this is um you know these people where, where racism is sort of held up as like sort of like a cartoonish sort of um villainy that's only practiced by these people who are very you know they're they're the evil people um but but um you know not all people are evil like this uh it's mm-hmm. it's it's these evil racists here whereas sort of the conversation now i feel that's happening um and if any of you guys want to chime in on this mm-hmm. please but like is has i think become maybe perhaps more nuanced in the sense that it's um, it's it's oh no it's like it's all around us it's built into the structures into the systems of the world that we live in and it's not always people you know going around calling the cops on Mm -hmm. uh i mean well no actually it is (laughs) often but (laughs) but um you know like it's there's there's like a subtlety to to Mm -hmm. a lot of it that is not always the mustache twirling uh, person who's yeah. you know wreaking havoc.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Anyways, that is just something that the
4: connection No,
2: people, no, that I, no, no,
0: I I think out. you're absolutely right. And I think with a piece like this that has such a big community element to it, I think you really can get into that element of a community where it's like, you're right, like yes, there are the pieces of the world who are blatantly mm-hmm. the 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 bad guys of the piece. The 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 stereotypical what we think of as, as these types of people, but you're right. Unfortunately, unfortunately, in our world, there are a lot of as they as Shakespeare would say, there are a lot of snakes hiding beneath uh, the flower. I think is the line, or, or the line that Lady Macbeth says, "We the snake beneath the flower." There's a lot of those people in the world who um, we had David Collins on from the Stratford Fest when he goes like that's something that he had to learn in the world was just. It's one thing to like be, be be concerned about the people in the pickup trucks who are very blatant who they are. It's the people in the suits who have a much more subtle way of, 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 go, of getting you between the ribs. And I think that's what this piece can bring if you do the community element of the story right. Like it's one thing to have Pete as the central kind of villain of the first part of the show, the first quarter of the show. It's another thing to kind of build that bigger world of the people who are around Pete, who support Pete, in maybe big ways or little ways, there is something there you can make a real comment about society that you have to be, we, ha- we, we have to do better. We have to do better and, and look at everybody, not just the people who are really obvious. Because, unfortunately, there are people who are not so obvious, who, who, who are doing very bad, terrible things to others in, in our communities. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Before we jump to the next question, mm-hmm. um, something that this conversation has made me think of: uh, yes, there there is importance in in this musical, and there's mm-hmm. so many truths, uh, hard hitting truths, and peeps mm-hmm. in the world. Um, and I was thinking, like I, like I, how this musical is based off of a book. Like I feel like I could see myself reading the book, or mm-hmm. even watching a film, or seeing a painting. Uh, resembling this musical but there's something about sitting down and watching a theater performance of this show i feel like that might be overwhelming for some people i and Mm -hmm. honestly it could be a good thing or a bad thing uh Mm -hmm. i know for me personally i would be like whoosh like very overwhelmed with some Mm of the blatant racism in there and the Mm -hmm. subtle like oh yeah the colored people are sitting in the mezzanine like that made me feel so angry
4: Mm -hmm. but i'm
3: wondering at the time when they were watching it they were just like oh yeah that's yeah it's 1927 that's appropriate Mm -hmm. but now it's just like i would probably just stand up and leave like it's Mm -hmm. i I think those little subtle things are what make me even more upset Mm -hmm. but honestly if this play was done I, I, we can talk about this question for a very long time, but... Yeah, we can. <laughs> if the play randomly did um, actually come, come out to Toronto for some reason, I probably would go and see it. So even mm-hmm. though I, I'm saying like, no, no, I probably would go and see it to see how <laughs> they would do it. So there's that. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's it's a fascinating question. Like, I remember us having a big debate about this in my musical theater history class with Marlise. I that, that this, this, this was really one of the first questions she posed to us. It was a very similar formatted question that really sparked in a, a three-hour long debate in the classroom mm. of just going back and forth across the room with each other it was it was that, that's what i like about this piece is it does generate some really fascinating bits of conversation but speaking of a good conversation we're going to get into the next question which i find really interesting which is the song which we've talked about quite a bit here old man river uh is one of the most covered songs of the broadway canon it's uh, been sung by a wide spectrum of performers across all genders, races, and ethnicities. Uh, going forward, uh, should art—sorry, uh, uh, going forward, which artist should sing it? Does the fact that this song has transcended the show and become a standard allow for it to be sung by anyone? Ben, as someone who has, as you said, sung it openly and proudly since being a kid, where do you stand on on this song and kind of who gets to sing it?
1: I think absolutely that it's for everybody, unless it's Mm -hmm. in context of the play. If you take it outside of obviously in the play, a black person has to sing it because the character Mm -hmm. who sings it is a black person. Mm -hmm. If you take it outside of the context of the play, I think that it's a worthwhile piece for anybody to become familiar with, because Mm -hmm. that's how we connect. That's how we do it. For example, if we look in the play, Julie Laverne is accepted into the black community and the way that that occurs is when they realize she knows all of the words to a Negro spiritual. Fish gotta swim and birds gotta fly. And when the people see that she knows all of the, all of the words, she's singing it, she's appreciating it, she's making it her own. She's, she's oh yeah, well, I suppose um, she is mixed as well. So that's I guess where she gets it from. But in any event, um, I think that we, we connect through music. It's the music that brings us together. Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that we can't forget. And the more people are aware of the message, the more people who care, uh, the closer together I think that we can get. So Mm -hmm. and, you know, going back, I think to to. Just to what you said that really hit me, Mac, it was this does the best when it's completely honest. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. The show doesn't put out in bold, racism is bad. That's not the show. It's actually a love story between Gay and Noli. And in the background, we have uh, the reality of the time that's candidly shown. Mm -hmm. Uh, If we think of the words in Old Man River, uh, tote that barge, lift that bale. You get a little drunk and you land in jail. I gets weary and sick of trying. I'm tired of living and scared of dying. You have just a regular man, a normal human being who has done nothing to deserve the reality that he has. Mm -hmm. And we get that, not smacked into our face, just a candid, honest truth shared. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we question why? What does Joe do to deserve that? And it's a bigger why for all of us. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that the song has transcended uh, for positive reasons, it's a good thing. I think that through music, we grow connectedness. And to mm-hmm. tell somebody, um, you know, you can't sing this song because um, you don't get where it comes from. Well, it's an opportunity, a learning opportunity to understand where it comes from. Maybe not understand deeply, but it's a step in the right direction. That's what I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Alicia, what are your thoughts? Um. So
3: since the question asked for artists if, uh, which artists could sing this today, I started to actually think like, who do I, who can I see singing this? So I made some, I, I came up with like uh, three main people. Ooh. Um, I, I don't think this person's a singer, but this who's who I imagined first, uh, Adrian Lester, the mm. English actor, mm-hmm. he popped into my mind. I feel like he would do it justice. I feel like he could sing, he could pull it off. <laughs> um, and then I also wrote down Alicia Keys. I don't, She's not yeah, an actor, but she has range and emotion. Yeah, and she maybe does. since we have the same name, she popped into <laughs> my mind. <laughs> but the main person that I could see uh, doing this song justice would be um, Julie Black.
4: Mm. And
3: I was able to see her in Caroline or Change mm. last year around the same time, uh, January, February time. And she did such an amazing job. I forgot how powerful her voice is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, would, she would do the song justice. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I know I, I, uh, I listed all Black uh, ta- talent and Black mm-hmm. artists. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just because I, uh, the way um, the show sets it up, I, I just had that in my mind. Mm-hmm. but I looked up uh, uh, Judy Garland's rendition of it and mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. um, Judy's was amazing, loved mm-hmm. it. So it made me It made me think like, it doesn't have to be a black artist that sings this song. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a song that can be mm-hmm. sung by anyone who relates to the struggle, any type mm-hmm. of, pick a struggle and then you can sing about it in this song, I feel. Mm-hmm. I would prefer if um, a person of color sang it, preferably black. Mm-hmm but because that's just the way it's set up but at the same time i'm thinking of what alana said earlier about how the play is written by two white men's portrayal of black people so it's like i guess anyone can really sing the song as long as you're really feeling it and you're singing it from a truthful place
2: alana what are your thoughts yeah it's a weird that the whole the fact that like you're like yes it's like these written by these two white guys um but it's 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 um so associated with um you know a certain character in a show Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know i think it's context specific like um you know like i like I like we were talking earlier about how like i think there's value Mm -hmm. like ben you made a lovely point about like you know connecting with other people through music connecting with um uh people who uh, may be different than you through through music, and that's a really wonderful vehicle. Um, but at the same time, and I'm being wishy-washy, <laughs> but at the same time, Old Man River to me is one of these songs that, um, there's a lot of baggage that gets associated with the song. Um, and, within that baggage there are certain things that um if you haven't had that lived experience you just can't understand and i mean that being said like i mean uh, that's I, I mean that's a different thing that you know now compared to what it was when it was initially written in terms of baggage but like there is that sort of racial um uh i, I maybe baggage is the wrong word, but like um, the, all the stuff that comes along with it, that sort mm-hmm. of now is associated with the song and exists alongside the song when you choose to open your mouth and mm-hmm. sing the song um, publicly anyways. So mm-hmm. um, I think that, yeah, like, I, I don't know, like, do, do I have interest in seeing, um, you know, certain people uh, interpret this song Like, would I be offended? Maybe not offended, but would I be super interested in it? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I do agree, Alicia, that Julie would be awesome um, singing the song. I was in that production with her and she was like amazing um, to work with. And she just like, yeah, she would kill a song like this. So I agree. Yeah. You were in that show i was yeah <laughs> i'm gonna look at my program again <laughs> <laughs> I <still have> it.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i mean for me this has been something we've actually talked a lot about on, on 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 the podcast i do with my friend autumn because we've covered quite a few shows particularly by aaron's and flaherty who wrote once on this island Ragtime, mm-hmm. and once again our white composers who write mm-hmm. some very beautiful music for BIPOC performers. Um, so for me, just re-looking at some of the lyrics again and just the way some of the lyrics are written, like it does have a very kind of character um, voice in mind that you can't help but escape, like uh, 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 just the uh, the like the, the affectation that you hear and the way the like the lyrics that were chosen for this like just certain phrases i just go i think this like there's this is a big musical theater canon there are lots of songs for, for people uh to sing like what it, like if i was doing a cabaret would only oh, ever be one of the songs i would probably put on my list probably not i probably would put bring him home on the on my list and because i think that fits me a little bit better uh and there's just certain songs that I just go there are better people to tell that story in that song whether it's in the show or outside the show like certain songs they like they transcend the show that sh- that could be sung cabaret no matter what like there's the song from miss saigon um i give my life for you beautiful song works great outside the p- the show then it also can be sung by anybody man woman oh i wouldn't care it's a gorgeous song about parent and child but then you put it inside the show it has a whole new deeper painful context this song there's just so much history behind this song that i just think it deserves i i i i don't want to see somebody who doesn't have a good strong history to go with this song sing so like for example Cal wilkinson does a, does a version of this song one of my favorite actors in the world mr Cal wilkinson the original john valjean wonderful man but i don't think this was his song to sing i think that i think that he has other songs that are more his song that fit his story a bit better there this, this is such a wide canon we like there are certain songs that fit certain people like it's kind of like the song from hairspray i know where i've been great song great message but there's just something special that when it comes from somebody like a queen latifah like a jennifer hudson singing it there's that there's that bit more in touch they get with the story and what the lyrics are talking about that can't be reached by somebody else like say somebody like me singing that song i love the lyrics i think they're beautiful lyrics but there's just something about some people who some people who are, who come from a certain history and a background that can just get a little bit deeper into that song. So I so while I think sure anybody can sing the song. I just think you have to look at the song, look at the lyrics, look at the story you're telling with the lyrics, because that's what musical theater songs do. That's what it's one of our great things is that even when you pluck a, a song out of a show, there is still a story being told. And it's a lot of times in character, because even if you take this, the character out of the song, there is still some form of that character's remnants left behind because the song is written for that character in that place, in that time, in that show. So there is something, there. Like there, Joe is always gonna be part of this song and the history of who that character is. It's always gonna be the shell of what the song is, no matter who kind of steps in and fills the voice. There's a, there's a history to this song that you just can't kind of get away from. And I'm okay with that. Cause you know, there, it's a big canon. There are lots of other great songs for me to tackle. And I will happily sit and listen to Ben or Atlanta, or Alicia, or anybody uh, sing this song, but I just don't think for, for I just don't think I, I just think for certain people we get I, for certain groups there are certain songs that uh, we should just kind of be a little bit more mindful of, just be a little but bit more respectful of the history.
1: It's not meant to be superficially appropriated, right? It really needs to be done well.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's exactly it. Yeah. 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 You, def- you definitely just don't want to slap it on there for the sake of doing it like if you're going to do it you're going to earn the history you're going to you, you, listen to the lyrics follow the lyrics treat it like a true piece of work that it is don't just that's oh, a good song let me sing it for the sake of singing it because that just totally misses,
1: misses the mark
0: and what yeah of what this hist- of what the history of this piece uh, of this, this song has i mean it is what it, and the fact that we can go through the list of frank sinatra judy garland colin wilkinson like so many people have covered this song, it is one of the most quintessential pieces of musical theater. I think anybody can hear it and know exactly what it is, no matter who you are. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a fascinating song with a fascinating history. Um, okay, last question of the night. Woo-hoo, onto Woo hoo! We're on to this. Okay, so would you consider this musical's ending with the reunion of uh, Gaylord and Magnolia and their daughter Happy? Does the ending lend itself to different interpretations in its staging? Alicia, I'll let you start. Since you were talking about reinterpretations and new stagings.
3: Would I consider it a happy ending? No, I felt extremely sad by the ending. And I think it was because I was still thinking about Julie. (laughs) And I was like, can you bring her back please? Um, And I felt like the ending was so sudden. I wasn't expecting it to end like that. Um, with the staging of, you got Nola, mm-hmm. you have, uh, gay over there and then the daughter. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like blackout. And, uh, an acting coach told me that a best way to have a scene is to start in the middle and, um, and, oh, I can't remember exactly what he said. And before it, things get too interesting, mm-hmm. I wrote it down somewhere. Um, but that's kind of how I felt. the the way this ended, I felt like things just started and then it ended before things were over.
4: Mm -hmm. uh,
3: I was I was very sad by it. It can be interpreted in a happy way that Nola has finally been brought back together with her long lost husband, who had the gambling problem and is back now. (laughs) Um, And I just I was looking at their daughter and I was like, oh, my God, she's so old now. Like So much time has passed. I was sad by it. Can it be interpreted in a positive way? Sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm still sad thinking about it. <laughs> but I, at the same time, it's nice that at least he came back and it wasn't just mm-hmm. an open ending of Nola picking up a new life and she's just a very successful performer now and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to see him at least return. Mm-hmm. So that, there's my take on it.
0: Yeah. Alana, what are your thoughts on the ending?
2: (laughs) I do not like the ending. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess it is, you know, what it is or of of its time, you you know, but Mm -hmm. yes, I I feel similarly that um, it's so disappointing that, like, after all those years, you know, and this man who's abandoned his family and, uh, um, you know, just pieced out and did his thing because he decided he couldn't hack it anymore, mm-hmm. and then you know shows up for this like wonky sort of happily ever after that's sort of like shoved into the ending really quickly that seems to kind of come out of nowhere. Um, yeah, like it, it it feels very sudden and it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of um, build up. Uh, to the ending. And um, yes, I agree, Alicia, with what you just said about like, like the whole second act, like with the time passing and like, like the amount of time that passes. um, It's sort of hard to get a through line on like any of these characters who who we've met, like, what happened to Julie? Where did she go? And like, um, you know, then there's this sudden reunion at the end. So yeah, it feels a bit like unfinished, in a way. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. where I'll leave it.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's a good spot. I mean, I mean, Showboat kind of kicked off the weird ending of musicals, like which followed into things like Oklahoma, where it ends with the murder of Judd, and then somehow they all drive out in the buggy with the friend John Topsy Oklahoma, <laughs> or like or like the fact that you have Carousel, which focuses on domestic abuse. And yet somehow at the end, Billy Bigelow walks into heaven. i know. not sure how that happens. Yeah, it's a thing it um, like there's quite a few of these old, golden age musicals that have really polar done endings where it's like. You could see in the day was meant to be happy, but then <laughs> when you look at it deeper, it's like. Oh, like this doesn't oh. feel good
4: anymore
2: yeah like there's like i guess maybe like the impulse to just mm-hmm. like oh we don't want the audience to go home without their happy ending mm-hmm. or i mean I, I i mean to be quite honest i haven't thought through enough to like you know what that actually means but yeah there is something like like these, these dark themes that are sort of explored um uh, with this weird gloss over top of like singing and dancing and then these happy endings, I don't know. maybe there's something weird and sinister going on, I don't know, but mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Absolutely. You know, there definitely is a weird mix of that. Ben, what do you think about this ending?
1: Well, I'm not going to say that I liked it or disliked it. It was a choice, a big choice, <laughs> especially contrasted if you take into consideration the 1951 version, where they actually do tie Julie back in at the end and the parting shot is her waving, or not waving, she's sort of standing in the shadows and she walks out into light and she's smiling to see that um, her telling Gaylord about the kid was the impetus for their reunion. In a way, it sort of absolves her of some of her guilt and we get sort of the happy ending that we're looking for, not just for Gay and for Magnolia, but also we get a little bit of something for Julie too. Uh, For this ending in uh, the show, it was probably for me, the most modern sort of contemporary choice that they made to end it open, to leave it unfinished, and also to have the daughter rather than being a baby or just born or Magnolia still being pregnant, the choice is to have her fully grown. And what are the implications of the amount of time that has really transpired where he's been gone? And when he comes back, for me, it was probably the best little bit of acting that this sort of
4: brooding,
1: handsome typecast lead did was the parting shot, the look at the end, where you can see in his face uh, guilt for time lost. I found a lot of um, the performance on this gentleman's behalf i mean he could dance he could sing he could act but there was a lot of nitty eyebrow acting you know i'm knitting my <laughs> eyebrows and looking at you um and you know for me this was this was kind of the deepest moment where we get to see uh, a bit more range a bit more color from from mm-hmm. him so i uh, i you know the more that i'm talking i would actually say that i did like it i appreciate the boldness to make a different choice to to say uh And, you know, one more thing that we have to consider is when we look back at the previous ending, you could interpret that unhappily if you live today. You go, who wants to take back that gambling river rat? Who would want to do that today? But back then, uh, it's so important for the family to be together. There are social implications. It fulfills a social caprice. So it's always happy. You see Parthi, who's the most conservative and hates the guy. She's happy that he's back. So what does that say? But today, I found it, it was more of a taste for a modern audience, the most sort of contemporary taste that we get to have this father who returns, and we don't know, is it going to work out between them?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said, Ben. Like, like, it is a very modern ending, because you definitely could see if this was done back in the 1920s, like, definitely you could see, like, the fact, like, just looking up, I, I I've never read the book that this is based on, but just reading the Wikipedia plot summary. Um, it says that apparently um, like I, I, it, I, it, 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 like uh, he doesn't come back in the book at the end, The the book ends in a much different uh, way.
1: Um, it's yeah. kind of a show that that lends itself to different endings interpreted. The film's different from the book is different from mm-hmm. this modern revival. Uh, everybody sort of picks a shot at the ending to mm-hmm. to decide how they wanna interpret that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well that that's kind of fun that you do get that. Cause I mean, you could I can definitely see different reinterpretations um of of this ending that it's like, oh, okay. Definitely there I uh, definitely you can make as a director and as a performer, you definitely gotta make some strong choices by the end. You got you you can't just rest on the oh it's showboat, you know. Yay, it's like yay for showboat. There actually is like no, as a director and as a performer, you actually gotta make a choice about how you're gonna interpret this ending because it's gonna because that's the last thing the audience gets. You're either gonna leave them with a good bad taste in, in their mouth or just a plain bad bad taste where it's like, ooh, nope, you just spoiled the whole show with that really kind of bad note of an ending. So it's really interesting. I, I do think that I do, this is one of the most open interpretations of an, of an ending of a musical we have. Most musicals are very kind of set with what their ending is going to be. I mean, West Side Story ends. Tony shot Maria walks off in the funeral march. In Oklahoma, that's the one's a little bit more open. You, you get a little bit more interpretation how you want to play the death of Judd and the, and the trial and the ending song. Not much wiggle room though, because it's still the song. At the end, you gotta kind of sing it happily. It's the song; um, it's written that way. But like, there are, there are very few shows that actually get an ending where it's like, "Oh, we can play with this a little bit." Like another one I'm thinking is like um, Parade, Ragtime. There's a few of those really interesting shows that have that have endings that that can that have that can have a bitter but powerful ending that either are gonna go for it or are, or you're gonna kind of gonna play it the safer route. And I think this show or this production that we saw kind of walk that nice middle line of there was some pain and there was some questioning, but then there also was just the fact the final shot is the two of them back together with the daughter in the middle. It's kind of like it does have that family unity shot while also having a bit of that darker undertow of what's the future? Like what happens when the curtain goes down? Do they live happily ever after on the barge or do they part ways again? Like like it's one of those great kind of open, weird endings. So yeah, it's once Hope. again, this musical just full of
1: choice. Hope framed with uncertainty. Ooh, Ben, well said. Well said.
0: Well, everybody, our time on showboat has now ended. We must dock and depart this vessel of the past uh, but before we all go tonight, uh, I just want to thank everybody for joining us. And to my wonderful panelists, thank you for being here to talk about this really kind of fascinating piece of theater history. Uh, I would love for you all to kind of give your socials a plug or if you got a website or, or a podcast, a YouTube channel you, you do posts on, happy to kind of support you and send some love your way there. So Alicia, we'll start with you. Where can people find and follow you? You can follow me on
3: Instagram. And my mm-hmm. Instagram is it is Alicia Plummer. Mm-hmm. And I also have a YouTube channel mm-hmm. called Alicia Online with three E's. So see if you can find me there. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I have a TikTok, but I don't know if this is the place to plug my TikTok. So I'll just like go for it. Go it's for it. It. Plug your <laughs> TikTok. Why not? <laughs> my TikTok is Hi Alicia by Alicia. So yeah all different three elements of social media you can find me on. Mm
0: -hmm. Wonderful.
2: Alana, where can people find and follow you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter. I'm at a at at AR underscore. (laughs) How does that work? Hold on. Okay. at AR underscore Hibs. That's H-I-B-B-S. Got it. AR underscore Hibs. Um, Also, um, I will say check out Um, the website for the Canadian College of Performing Arts. Mm -hmm. Um, We just started our new session uh, in school this past week. The students are back in the building and they're gearing up for some uh, really cool performances. The um, Ensemble Theatre Company is doing a production of If Then right now, which um, is being directed by um, a wonderful um, BC director, but does a lot of work out in Ontario too, for depending on who's listening to this podcast, um, (laughs) uh, named Sarah Jean Hosey, she's directing Mm. that. Um, And um, we've got a couple of other plays coming up. And so we're one of the few uh, performing arts colleges that's able to be open um, in this crazy uh, time that we're living in. So um, if you can support um, you know, live theater and, and students who are doing live theater. There's live streaming events and, um, uh, um, uh, sort of digital events that are, that are going on, um, as we go forward. So you can check that out too. Love that.
0: Love that. Then, where can people find and follow you? Can they find a version of you singing Old Man River
1: online? <laughs> no nope, no plugs. I just want to say thank you very much. I love being here. Uh, thank okay. you for having me.
0: Oh, thank you, Ben. Thank you for joining us. We hope to have you back again in the near future with another piece. Uh, You can find and follow me, everybody, at Mackenzie Hornets. Look for the ginger haired photo on all the socials. Uh, You also can follow my podcast before the downbeat, where we do talk about musicals. Uh, So if you liked this, you can get a lot more of it. Come on out. Give that a listen. You also do our episodes on Mamma Mia, which I know Alana's done. Uh, We also did of Green Gables this season too, which I also know Alanna's done. (laughs) We've done quite a few. (laughs) We've done a few. (laughs) We've done a few, we've done a few. But yeah, give those a listen. Also check out Cup of Hemlock. We have lots of great stuff coming. We have our uh, COH shorts, which are these great kind of fun short scenes we're staging. We also have uh, all our other reviews we've done, our duet reviews, uh, which as of this uh, episode, I do believe our duet review all about the TikTok musical Ratatouille has now come out. So you can check out our thoughts on that as well as our thoughts about the Les Miserables stage concert. So lots of great stuff on our platform to check out as well once you're done listening and watching us. Uh, Until then, everybody, thank you so much. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll see you next time on another The
4: Cup Reviews. Thanks, everybody. Bye.